the night that he came home. That night, he tore a bloody rampage through the world of cinema, and suddenly, trick-or-treating was lethal again. His name was Michael Myers, and the night was Halloween. Welcome to Filmstrip and our Halloween retrospective series. Here to protect you from the clutches of Michael Myers or the Silver Shamrock Corporation are Brian. More fancy talk. And Jay. We are talking about evil on two legs. These podcasts will be spoiler-filled as we discuss the plots, characters, and themes of the Halloween films. It is time to Welcome to Filmstrip. I'm Jay. And I'm Brian. And this is our review of Halloween 2, starring Donald Pleasance, Jamie Lee Curtis, Pamela Susan Shoup, Anna Alicia, Lance Guest, and Dick Warlock. Directed by Rick Rosenthal. Recognize him from Buffy, Brian? Season 6. So, released in 1981 on a budget of $2.5 million, grossed $25 million at the box office. So, more of the night he came home, Brian. I recognize him because you were so disappointed he wrote in season six. <laughs> no, he, he didn't write. He directed. He actually directed. Oh, the, directed. Sorry. He directed the one episode I liked in season six, <laughs> which, which, that. which was normal again. So, uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah, Rosenthal, I think he did another one too. I can't remember which one off the top of my head, but yeah, Rick Rosenthal is the name I know from there. I had to put that in for, for Buffy fans that might be listening over here. But uh, again, uh, with the Halloween here, this is all new for you, and I've seen this one you know, millions mm-hmm. of times. <laughs> So uh, we know it well, but we both, you know, we're left with the same conclusion. You know, uh, me, the big time fan and you, the first time watcher of it is well, where the heck did he go <laughs> at the end of the last one? And uh, this is the answer to that question. Uh, and then this surprises me too, Jay, because mm-hmm. the first one was released in 1978. This one's released three years later, yeah. but it seems like it was filmed at the same time to me. It, it, uh, fe- uh, it feels it? that way. No, yeah. it, it wasn't. It feels that way because the same cinematographer is around, Dean Cundy. So it's that's uh, fantastic, and it's and it's written by John Carpenter and Deborah Hill again. Um, the mm-hmm. the story is that you know they didn't make any money off of Halloween. They really didn't. Like the you know, first time filmmakers, you don't make anything off that. Mustafa Akkad and company made all that fifty five million. So in order to actually get paid, and, and at the time Carpenter was working on other stuff, Escape from New York, and he was getting together his version of the thing. You know, he, they asked him, Hey, you want to do Halloween too? And this, you got to remember, this is in the wake of everything that's come out since Halloween. You've had two Friday the 13th movies. You've had mm-hmm. all these other slashers. They're all making tons of bank at the box office. And the people that own Halloween are like, what the heck? We need to, you know, we left a hanger on the end of it. Let's go. And the funny story is, is that. Carpenter and Hill wrote that just as a cliffhanger. Like they had no intention of ever being a sequel. They just thought, oh, that'd be a great way to end it. <laughs> you know, that's interesting. <laughs> just to screw with people. And so then they had to pick up with, well, where do we go? And, you know, there was an idea once it was going to be three years later and Jamie's in a, you know, or Jamie, uh, Laurie Strode's in a high rise apartment and Michael tracks her down there. You know, he's going to find her in college, all the stuff. And they finally went back to no, we'll just pick up with the night after and it'll yeah, be the, or same the, the same night. I mean, yeah. And so they actually pick up with the end of the film and that's a reshoot of the end of the first film. And it's really, so they yes. just go back to the footage and use the footage again. Cause the, they the, did a damn good job reshooting. It's, that it's, a, it's an alternate take with the kids. Cause obviously the kids would be a lot older. So it's an alternate take from the first one with the kids. But when it turns to the other side, 
God, her hair's totally different because Jamie Lee Curtis huh. had cut her hair off at that point. So this is all. Wi- I mean, that's when people talk about this movie, they talk about that horrible wig she's got, and then, um, but that's uh, and I think the old Michael's the one that sits up, but the one that ultimately strangles her and stuff is is a different one. So it's a, uh, but yeah, they they reshot it at the end because it's a different angle and a different house he falls out. Fascinating. Of. So yeah, so fun stuff that they came up with here. But well, and you can tell that uh, the Halloween one was such a hit because their budget went from three hundred twenty five thousand <laughs> to two point five million. Yes, so. exactly. And, they, and, they, and they still made 10 times that amount of the box. I mean, still been making some money. I mean, slasher films of the 80s were the reason there were so many of them, folks, is because they were dirt cheap to make and you and made money. The mm-hmm. Yes, you made studios made money on them. And so this is this is why you got them. And so, yeah, I mean, that's that's this one. I think before we get any further, though, Brian, we, we need to go ahead and just spill the plot. So I'm going to put it to you this time. What did you see in Halloween 2? Halloween 2 picks up where the events of Halloween left off. Michael's body is missing from the front lawn where he fell when Dr. Loomis shot him. While Loomis and the cops search around the town, Michael follows Lori to the local hospital, killing everyone who gets between him and her. It is revealed to Loomis that Lori is actually Michael's sister. She was given up for adoption as an infant after he was put away and before his parents died. Michael corners Loomis and Lori in an operating room where Loomis lights off gases, causing an explosion as Lori escapes. Michael, engulfed in flames, stumbles out of the room toward her before finally falling to the floor, seemingly dead once and for all. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, let me ask you this right off of the gate, man. You know, the big reveal in this one is the, the Empire Strikes Back-esque family connective moment of Michael and Lori, our brother and sister. Did you have any hint of that? Did you see that coming at all? Or did you know of that before watching this? this movie i had no idea and i didn't see that coming at all it okay. uh well i you know to me it was kind of like okay he's he's locked up he's killed off his sister i assume he's been locked up shortly after that happened mm-hmm. right uh mommy didn't look pregnant at all so <laughs> my guess is he didn't even know he had a sister well even if he did well, you know, they dropped the line in there. They tell she was born before he died, and, you know, then her parents died after he was put away. So he hasn't seen her in years. And we'll talk about that with a little weird flashback scene she has in the hospital bed later. But that, yeah, it, it's supposed to be this big surprise, you know, yeah. and, and it is, it is the thing that Carpenter says he, he went to, he said, yeah, I'll do this. And they, you know, they're going to pay him this money to rewrite it. And then he said, I didn't know what else to say. I had said all I wanted to, and he said it was a late night, and he said, I'll make uh, them relatives. <laughs> that's, did, that's, did, that's all it was. T- tell me this, because mm-hmm. I don't recall it. Mm-hmm. Did Lori ever find out that she was Michael's sister? Because I don't think she did. No, but for, you know, we get this uh, this weird scene uh, midway through the film where she's you know looped out on her drugs from you know being taken in the hospital and operated on and stuff like that. And she's having this dream of remembering her mother telling her she's adopted, basically in the meanest way possible. By the way, and then she goes and visits this mysterious kid who's staring out a window and then gives her this ugly look. But she apparently has no other recollections of it at all. So I don't know if she, like they took her, if she's just dreaming this or what, because that all happens before they tell us that's the big reveals. I, I don't know. <laughs> so it's yeah. one of the weirdest parts of this movie. It's a very strange 
fever dream. I mean, I, I've read, oh, Brian, I have read some great fan examples and or uh, explanations to this online. One of them is they have a psychic link, and so, you know, <laughs> he's, he's telepathically telling her this. I'm like, I don't think this movie's going there at all. That's way beyond what's on the screen. And then the others is just she's actually remembering, you know, having this conversation when she was a young girl with her mother and they take her to visit him and all she does is, you know, walk in the room. He turns around, looks at her like that and she leaves. And for whatever reason, well, probably for good reason, she's repressed it. I, I don't know how you're supposed to read it. The idea is that she doesn't know though. She knows who he is. Cause they, when they tell her later on that Michael Myers was the guy after her, she's like the kid who killed his sister. I mean, she, well, yeah. you know, she knows the town legend, but she doesn't have right. any clue she's related to him. No, and I don't think she ever does. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, everyone in the town knows who Michael Myers is. I mean, that seems yeah. to be the house was never purchased again, right? Yeah, I mean, and, it's and in now they're going to try to actually yeah. sell it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh I think everyone in the town knows Michael Myers' name and what happened. But um mm-hmm. yeah, I just thought it was kind of odd that they reveal this to Loomis who never then reveals it to her, nor does obviously Michael reveal it to her at all either. So, right. Odd. But this, well, this one is interesting because it pretty much takes place the whole movie in this hospital. Oh yeah, it's it's all in the hospital, man. I mean, that's that's what uh, the the whole idea of a good horror movie is. You got to have confinement, right? I mean, you want to confine people in a small space and then let some killer stalk them, and that's exactly what this is: is them getting to a small place and why not go to the hospital? That's where she would be. That's where she was taken, and um, you know, we give him all these other people to go and and kill. So mm-hmm. <laughs> at the hospital, which I. I I think is interesting but and and we spend half the time either at the hospital and the other half running around with loomis and the deputy sheriff chasing michael and we'll talk about the fact that right now that laurie's really only in the last 30 minutes of this movie they take her out of that house they wheel her in you get one scene with the doctor examining her and then a couple scenes of people talking to her while she's laying in bed but it's not until the last half hour that she even factors back into this thing yeah, did did you find it kind of creepy the kid who kept going into her room like he was trying to um <laughs> see how loopy she was so maybe he could get something? Oh, what the hell. The, the the last starfighter, Lance Guest. Yes. Um oh. I I just got it that he knew her and was just sweet on her and well, just, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's too sweet for well, someone who's basically I, knocked out. Well, I don't know that he was trying to do anything bad. He's he's actually the noble uh EMT. The other one the skeezy, right. the skeezy one, uh, uh, I would have bought that from, sure, but... Uh, well, no, it's just the looks yeah. that he gets from the nurse who keeps coming in and telling him to get out. Just oh, I love that like nurse. He's done don't, this before. Don't you love that nurse, right? She's like, visiting hours are definitely over. Right. You know, she is all Classic over that line. guy. But yeah, no, Bud is the is the skeezy uh, EMT, oh, so I, I don't know that... Big time I don't, I don't think Jimmy was that bad of a dude, but, uh, you know, it definitely, definitely strange stuff, for sure, so... But, you know, half in the hospital, the other half running around. We talked about last time how the sheriff, you know, doesn't seem to be involved in this at all. But how did you like the way that I, I really like the way he reacts when they tell him your daughter's one of the ones they found in that house. And he just and, and I love his his answer to that is I got to go tell my wife before somebody else does. And that writes him out of the movie. 
you know. Well, I mean, he's a cop, so right. You want to be the one to deliver the bad news, and now it's his own kid, right? Who, but who wants but, who wants but, someone your family member to find out before you? From someone other than you. Oh, of so. course not, right? But the trope is that the the, yeah. the cop then goes on the like you would expect him to show up in the third act and be vengeful or something like that. But he never, you never see him again. And I yeah. like that. It's almost a real touch to it. I like what, that that little detail. Well, what about what about the scene where they're looking for him and they see this other kid in another uh, William Shatner mask <laughs> walking down the street and. Mm-hmm. They freaking start chasing him, and the cops trying to keep the gun away, and they end up freaking railroading him into another vehicle with yeah. a cop car. Yeah, the other deputy is like doing a hundred miles an hour down this residential street while kids are trick or treating. That's where everybody's trick or treating, Brian. Yeah, is well, now they are right after all <laughs> yeah. the deaths. And did you catch the name on the kid? Though? Yeah, it was Ben. Ben Trainer. Yeah, they were the, trying to set him up. The, with, yeah, the guy with. that Laurie was interested in. Yeah, I, I thought that was a. I don't know. It was, it was, I don't know, it was sort of weird that Michael's screwing her up, even when he doesn't know he's screwing her up. You know, that, well, uh, well, here's, right, right. Here's my but question: Is okay? So they play it off with the, you know he's got the same mask as Michael to show some commonality that that wasn't something unique. That was just a mask anybody could have. But mm-hmm. what do you tell people you are when you go dressed as the faceless man in the overalls? <laughs> you know, what are you <laughs> supposed to be at your drinking Halloween party that you're at? You're I, William I, Shatner with the do. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's very strange. I, I, yeah, I don't know. But but my thing was is that I was just like, holy crap. And, and nothing happens after they kill this kid, right? Well, well I mean, like, he, only... he, he burns and stuff. Then the sheriff and Loomis run away because that's when they roll up and tell the sheriff, your daughter's dead. So like in the span of 40 seconds, we yeah. have Loomis trying to shoot somebody on the street that he doesn't know is Michael or not. That kid gets you know run over by a cop car, blown up, burned to death. And the sheriff finds out his daughter's dead and him, the deputy sheriff, and... Loomis all go to the scene of the crime. Yeah, (laughs) and then a little later on, you have these two kids come up to the cops and say, hey, by the way, our friend was supposed to meet us at this place, and he never showed. And it it turns out he was wearing this mask, and and it turns out it's this Ben Tramer guy, right? And that's how we learn what his name is. Um, And and they, they, they don't tell him anything like, oh, okay. You could tell they know that that's the one they killed, and they don't say, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, they, the they, don't, they don't know. Loomis is the only one that seems to be remotely upset about it because he's the one with the, when they bring the uh, the deputy from Jaws in there, that's all I know that do- Dennis from, to examine <laughs> him. is like, this kid's, you know, a teenager, and he's like, Michael Myers is in his 20s, you know, and all this stuff. So it's, yeah. that's supposed to lead us off the trail. But it, what it does as a story point is it sends Loomis and the cops on this wild goose chase, you know, to, to go chasing after, was that really the kid, was it not? You know, we, we don't know. So, it's it's supposed to be a misdirect. The problem with that is we all know it's not because there's Michael killing people. So right, and right. let's talk about that too. The very odd thing. Like we pick up with him and the you know the news has already gotten to the house. The cops are at the house. They're wheeling the bodies out right. And this girl across the street is watching all this go down, talking to her girlfriend on the phone. And he just rolls in the house after stealing the old lady's ham knife and kills her. Why does he kill that girl? There's no yeah. reason except just to have a kill in the first ten minutes of this movie. Exactly. I, I, it made no sense to the motif that he's already set up, right? Yes, exactly. Everyone that he's killed has either known Lori or been involved with her in some way right? in this film. This was just some random girl. Mm-hmm. And 
you thought at first he was going to kill the old lady, right? Right. And he um, lets her go. He does let her go. At me Again, pointing to the fact that I used to kill teenage women. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it, it was kind of like a senseless kill that really didn't need to take place. Mm-hmm. I mean, we know nothing about uh, the girl, you know? It, it, it basically, you know, yeah, it's just some random girl who lives next door. I, I, the only thing I could think of is that he kills her because he's trying to get away from everyone and she's there. Yeah. So he kills her so that he can hide. I guess so. Maybe he does that's hide it. out. Of, maybe he hides out in the house. You're right. Because he's, all that's going down and they're looking for him, but they're looking for him on the other side of the street. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's, I hadn't thought about that, Brian. That's an interesting point. So uh, that may be it. Maybe he hides out there for a little while and bandages up his gunshot wounds or whatever. But yeah, yeah you know, he's like obviously that. injured somehow, right? I mean, well, he's got a neck wound and eye wounds. Right. Some exactly. chest wounds. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's a got broken some back. <laughs> yeah. Among, <laughs> among other problems. Concussion, yeah. probably. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, and I imagine he's probably pretty tired. So, I mean, you know, <laughs> you killing, think, killing these you women think. is, you know, taking a lot out of him over the night. But it's only like 10 o'clock at this point, or 9.30 or 10 o'clock. It's not even late yet. And I love, though, that in, in doing just exposition, you have this kid walking around downtown. I love the boombox, by the way. <laughs> Talk about the 80s, oh. man. Wow. So I hadn't seen something that big since, you know, Anna and I did Footloose. So, <laughs> but there's that. And and he's, you're hearing the news report that, you know, we now know that Michael Myers escaped and he's on the loose in Haddonfield or whatever, and he bumps into... Michael Myers. And, but in that process, he hears that, uh, they've taken the one survivor to the clinic. And so right. that's how he figures out, oh, okay, they took her to the hospital. And then there's that convenient road sign of clinic this way, as if to say, please go kill everybody over there. Uh, like I said, that's the way he finds out where she's at. And you mentioned that she's having those flashbacks of uh, visiting the, the boy and, and whatnot at this point in time. And that's when we get to meet our awesome staff at the, uh, <laughs> okay. at, this, at this hospital. The least populated medical facility I've ever seen in my life. Well, I mean, it is, it is night and, and they're not quite as populated and it is a small town. So probably not in need of a lot of population. How, how, how little, how, how not a lot of town do we gotta have around here for it not to have people uh, working I mean, in the hospital? Right. They have one doctor, but right? they got a maternity ward Two full nurses. of, full of newborns, dude. Yeah. What was that all about? <laughs> I know. I was like, again, well, the doctors what? are babysitting the newborns so that the parents can go party. I guess they popped. They popped out the kids. Like, let's go get it on, baby. Woo! Seventies. I don't know. I'm with you. I don't. I don't know. I'm like, well, wait a minute. Where do all their parents have got to be around somewhere? So yeah. I mean, it's. I don't know. Or do they just have like a large orphanage there? I don't know. It's never explained. It's just. It's supposed to be. It's supposed to be unnerving that Michael hides out where the babies are sleeping because it's the darkest room. You know, and that's where he's hiding in the shadows, watching a lot of stuff go down at the hospital. That's supposed to be like, yeah. oh, he wouldn't hurt the babies, would he? And it's like, clearly not. He's not into the old people. He's not into the little people. Well, you he's, felt he's, for a while like yeah. he was going to, didn't you? Well, I, I wondered what was going on. Like, was he, there was there going to be some sacrifice or what? I've always wondered. But again, though, because he seems to be singularly focused in on Laurie, I'm like, he's just stalking her so he can finish her off from the last time. So I remember the first time I saw this, I didn't know the big reveal either. So I'm just going with what the first movie told me was that, well, he picked this girl out, you know, this morning. He's, you know, hell bent on getting her, getting her finished. He's going to kill mm-hmm. her and he just kills everybody in his way. 
We talked about last time how Michael like sets up his kills and stuff. Man, he sets the whole hospital up. Like he kills the the security guard because he knows that's the one guy with power that he's got to take out. Then he takes out you know one nurse after another, and he takes out the two skeezy people. I don't know. He had like a method. He he took out the doctor. He had this like method to the pickoff, which I thought was interesting. That you know. it clearly he could have got to her in a lot of different times and chose to kill everybody else around her before getting to her. I thought that was a little odd. Yeah, you know, it is. I mean, if his end goal is to get her, why put all this collateral damage in place? I don't know. That's when that's what I want to know. It should be pretty straightforward getting there, right? Yeah, I mean, you'd think it wouldn't be. Again, it's not a, a highly populated place. It's not a lot of people. At that point, they're looking for him all over town. Nobody's looking at the hospital because they haven't put it together yet or, or anything. So nobody knows what what's up. And he had perfect opportunity, but again, he's not an assassin. He's not there to, he's, he's a masked, insane killer. So, I mean, why did he kill her friends before when he could have just got to her whenever he wanted to? Well, cause he's yeah. crazy and that's just what he does. So, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, that's, and, and this movie's 90 minutes long. We gotta have, we gotta have the horror movie pick off. I mean, this is the thing. And he's, he's gonna take out these people one by one and stuff. So, yeah. I wanna talk about the kills in this movie though, because they're a, a ramp up from what we got last time like in big ways we have some real well unique ways of often people yes um some very gruesome ways as well. yeah we get somebody boiled to death we get one guy strangled we get you know a couple syringes to the face uh we get one woman who gets her her vein tapped and bled out. That was weird. I'm like, when did he learn how to do that? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay that he could drive. I'm not okay that he could work for the Red Cross. So <laughs> like that that seemed to be a little like I don't know. What do they teach the blot in me at the uh, uh, mental clinic? But uh, I don't know. I, I it's very very weird. The the gruesome kills. It is. Um, the most gruesome to me, though, was that uh, the boiling hot uh, water tub that they use for rehabs, and they're sitting in there trying to get it on, these two skeezy employees. And, yeah, that, that it was just gruesome to watch him dunk her under and up, and you could see they did a very good job on the makeup with the face peeling and all that stuff. I was quite impressed with that. But uh, I always like ugh. to ask people this when they see that. Does he drown her, or does her face burn off? How does she, she, he, he basically kills her from the heat. I think okay. her face boils to the point where it just probably get, affects the brain or something. I don't think she drowned. I think she just hmm. died of the heat. Okay, that's I, I've it always wondered. Cranks I, it up. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the way it's played. I, the weirder part of that is, though, that, you know, her and the skeezy EMT bud are in there trying to get it on, and she finally decides, I can't do this anymore. She sends him in there to turn the water down because Michael's turned it up on him, kills Bud, strangles him, and then comes out there, and she's got her back to him, and she's like, i got to go back to work. I can't do this right now. And then mm-hmm. she starts, like, licking on his hand. Oh, that- yeah. See, now, that should have been the, the telltale <laughs> sign that it's not Bud. Although he was pretty skeezy, so maybe he does have pretty gross hands. I don't know, but I mean, really, you'd think, like, he's murdered at least half a dozen people at this point with those hands. Not including two dogs, been shot a few <laughs> times himself. I mean, I'm sure Michael is not stopping to pick up some hand sanitizer in between kills. I, that was just, it's, but it's supposed to be unnerving. And you know what? Darn it, it is. Because when she turns around and realizes, we all know, you know, the audience, what are you doing, lady? But... 
to watch it go down like that is is cool. But I you know I think I told you before that one of the things I was looking forward to talking to was the fact that this movie only works because of an extreme idiot factor and the fact that everyone <laughs> acts like extreme <laughs> idiots the entire film. No one applies any the, the last film everything went down because it was all un, unknowing unexpected. You know, it was it was they weren't ready for it. This film everybody dies because most of them are in, incapably stupid with everything yeah. that they do. I would agree with that statement. You know. <laughs> and the only person who isn't incredibly stupid is the one who survives. Right, right. The yeah, one I mean, who, yeah, I mean, who's, who's laid up on drugs, having weird dreams most of the time, and then when she finally is lucid, gets the hell out of there. Because <laughs> she knows, eh, I ain't laying here. She even lays a trap for him, you know, to, to stab the pillows and stuff so she can get away. So, yeah. Yeah, that was pretty smart. Yeah. So it seems like um, at times he wants to murder the crap out of her, like, quickly, and at other times he doesn't want to murder her that fast. And this is one of those times where he just goes and starts stabbing, stabbing, stabbing. But yeah. the other times, it's almost like he's methodical and slow in the process. I'll get, I'll, yeah, you're right. I'll give Rosenthal credit for this because I think this was his idea. They did this so much in the last movie where somebody would be in a room and Michael would be standing outside the door looking at him and they wouldn't know it. They have several shots, whether it's Jimmy, one of the nurses or whatever, in Lori's room where you can see over their shoulder and see the outside of the, the hospital door and you keep waiting for Michael to walk by and he never does. Mm. And I'm like, I kept waiting for him to spring it. And then when he finally does pop up there, you're right. He just walks in and just stabs the shit out of his pillows and then then realizes, wait a minute, and pulls him back. And of course, then we cut and realize that she has gotten up and walked away because she knows something's up at that point. Because people people are running around, they can't find anybody, and she's already been told what's going on. At that point, she knows, ah, I got to get the hell out of here. So, but I, all all the while, this stakeout is going on at the at the hospital while he's you know walking through and killing these people. Some we don't see until you know we find their bodies later. Loomis <laughs> is running around town with this deputy, right? Mm-hmm. And they are, I mean, they are going everywhere. You know, they, they trace, uh, they, they see the kid get blown up. They go and meet the dentist at the coroner's office. And then they go to an elementary school that he broke into. And they see, you know, he's been there and he, he took time to crayon a family portrait and stick a knife through it, which I don't know if you caught it or not. It <laughs> took me several viewings to get it, but the knife sticking up there is the one that he, he stole from the ham lady. It's the, it's got the, the edge on it. It's real distinctive. Okay. And so that's where he, you know, after he killed the other girl and hung out at her house for a little while, raided her fridge, he went to the school and stabbed that little portrait. And I, I mean, it's all weird. And they're dropping hints all along the way about he's after his sister. And, you know, Loomis keeps taking, hey, he killed his sister 15 years ago. Apparently he's back to relive the experience, you know. And they put that whole Sam Hain thing or Sawin thing on the uh, the wall. And it's, I don't know, they're, they're leading to all of this uh, occultish thing. It might explain his indestructibility. It's very weird the way they play all that up. It is very weird. And I, it, I wish they would have delved a little more into it to kind of give us more of an explanation as why they were doing kind of this, but they kind of start it and then they get distracted and move on. And we don't really come back to that. So it says on uh, online here, it's something to do with Sam Hain, you know, which is a celebrate a Celtic celebration, which is also a name of a band that was fronted by uh <laughs> misfits and, and uh, the, what's his name? Um, Glenn Danzig. Danzig, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Wow. <laughs> Believe it or not. <laughs> interesting 
Interesting points. Interesting. I did not realize that, but so. no, I, you know what? Um, I, I don't know. It's, it's very weird how, the, again, they keep sending Loomis on the goose chase, but all of that ultimately culminates in the fact that one, the sheriff thinks he's responsible for all this. The deputy keeps trying to get rid of him and he won't let it go. And he keeps, you know, sending everybody out. And I like that this deputy though is real proactive. You know, the guy comes in and says, we just wrapped it all up for the night. And he says, send everybody out again. We got to keep looking till we find this guy. I like this blonde deputy guy. I don't know who he is. <laughs> and and he's just you know another seventies you know face to me or whatever, but I like his character and the fact that he keeps he keeps up the hunt after the sheriff's off and he's he's taken like charge of all of this stuff I, and and you know even when Loomis gets taken away there the, near the end he's still heavily involved in everything. Yeah, he is. It's almost like he took over because the other one is incapable of doing his job because his daughter was killed. Makes sense. Yeah, no, I like that. I like that they play that out though, because that would be how that would work, right? I yeah, mean, that's yeah. that's how that goes. But I, I don't know. I I mean, you know, Michael's knocking off everybody at the hospital, and in the meanwhile, the nurse Chambers shows up again at the elementary school and tells Loomis, "You've been ordered by the governor to <laughs> go away." And I'm like, "Wow, really?" And and they lay off some line about how we don't want to damage the reputation of the mental health thing. I'm like, lady, it's all over the news. There is no saving face in this now. You know, he got out. Y'all are all screwed. Your funding is, yeah, you're in trouble. So, I mean, I, you know, that's, that's going to be a problem. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I just thought that was, it was, it's, it's an excuse to have her back on the screen because you got to have some way to explain to Loomis the, the secret file, right? Yeah. And, and, you know, it's kind of, it seems a little odd to do because they're chasing this killer right now. <laughs> and the one guy who knows everything about him, I get that they're blaming him for the escape. Mm-hmm. But since you're in the town where he's kind of causing a lot of havoc, now doesn't seem like the right time to trap well, the one guy who knows how to track him. Well, here's the thing, and this this should be known. You know, we see all the havoc that's being caused. No one else knows this is going on. Well, the, co- the cops are not aware all these people are getting slaughtered at the hospital. They don't know about the other girl true. across the street yet. They, I mean, they don't know all this other stuff is happening. Well, they mm-hmm. do know that he's been on a killing spree and he's not found. Right, right. right. The, well, here's the thing, though. They keep playing it off as you shot him, he got up, he's dead somewhere. We just ain't found him yet. Uh, you know, as, is the way it keeps coming off. And I, I don't know. I kind of like that because, again, as the audience, we know he's still out there, obviously. But the cops don't. So it explains their actions. Like, they're the only ones not making stupid decisions because they don't know any better. That's not, yeah. their, that's not their fault. They're doing their job the way they're supposed to do their job. They're not super cops. That's true, and at this point, nobody really knows where he might even be if he were alive, so I guess it makes some sense. But And I like how they do that. You, obviously, they had to figure out a way to know where he was at, right? Right. So this deals with that, telling basically her telling him that uh, Lori was the sister of Michael Myers, and that's right. when he goes just kind of ape shit. <laughs> yeah, I love Pulls how he out his sh- gun and shoots and the says, gun at the U.S. Marshal. Right? Yeah, yeah, brilliant move. But I love the Marshal's reaction. Sir, you're in a lot of trouble if you do that. He does it, and then he's like, 
turn the car around. <laughs> so, well, yeah, what are you yeah. going to do? Like, stop? And, uh, although the marshal should have a gun on him as well. But He he does. As a matter of fact, he he gives it up to Loomis. That's how Loomis gives Lori <laughs> a gun later on in the... I know, I'm like the worst <laughs> officer ever. The psychiatrist pulls a gun on you. And yeah, <laughs> but I mean, that's that's how that goes down. So, But no, I, I don't know. I, I like the reveal, though, again, because it is a it is one of those eureka moments. It's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you. he's her sister and and I love how Loomis just loses his mind. He's like, don't you see what's happening? Take me back to the hospital. And, you know, they finally get seemed to turn around. And, I, and while all this is going on, by the way, the carnage has unfolded at the hospital for Laurie. She is, she hasn't ever found, she, she didn't find the, uh, the doctor and the nurse that got it in the eye with the, syringe and nobody ever finds the at least not at that moment the security guard that got hit with the claw hammer which what what a thunk that sound that that thing makes oh it was, it was gruesome mm-hmm. but uh, you know she's starting to see all this other stuff go down the one nurse has been killed she's run out into the parking lot hit in a car jimmy has found the nurse that's been bled out he fell on the floor and knocked <laughs> himself silly he came that's back my out favorite <laughs> i know yeah right it's like that guy went down he like was on the blood yeah <laughs> gets now, knocked unconscious hey in great. the t- TV version, he survives, man. But you know, <laughs> he's in the ambulance with her at the end. But uh, no, I, I'm like he's dead. He just doesn't know he's dead yet. He's, he makes it to his car. She gets out of that, and I love how she's still so weak and beat up. She's you know having to crawl around, and she sees Loomis and this uh, marshal and uh, the nurse roll up at the hospital to try to find her, of course. And she's screaming her head off, and they don't hear her. And then out of nowhere, here comes Michael right after he's chased her out to the parking lot. And mm-hmm. I know there's some great chase scenes in this movie there's almost one too many i mean it goes on a long time the chases in the hospital but i think all of them are really well done they work pretty much like the last time yeah i think so too um what i liked about the jimmy part though when mm-hmm. he comes out to the car she's like she's in the car right hiding yes and he gets in and I don't, does he even recognize she's there well, I mean, she says something to him, but he barely gets anything at you. You just get the idea that he had enough strength to get himself outside, and then he. Well, you get the idea that he's not quite there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he. Well, he's he probably you know hit his head so hard he's you know bleeding on the brain at that point. So yeah, I mean, yeah, he's but, definitely uh, out of it. But I don't know that he ever recognizes she's there. He gives her some line about we're going to get out of here, and then you know he slumps over and that's it. And I was like, man, what a. Oh, what an eerie thing. Again, it's everything around Lori is going to hell in a handbasket. You know, I mean, right. it's, it's getting worse by the moment. I don't know. I like the chases, though. I think, again, that they're, they're good. What did you make of the way the guy played Michael this time? It's a different guy. It's veteran stuntman Dick Warlock playing him this time. So it's a different way of doing it. I, I didn't really see much difference. But again, I wasn't paying attention for that. So I guess maybe if I watched it again and and tried to pay attention to that, I would notice these things. But I was more involved in the story and what was going on than really paying attention to Michael. I I find myself not paying much attention to Michael. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> because what? a lot of the times he's not in the shot. He's 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 behind the camera you know and can i say that that is that's a good idea too because there's not a lot of difference between them it's just subtle stuff it's little things that he does differently but for the most part they keep it the the motif the same way the only difference is that we see the gruesomeness of the kills this time instead of not seeing them and i want to ask you that because that was a conscious decision rick rosenthal left it like the first movie where you never saw any blood and stuff carpenter was the one that thought we can't release a movie like that now in the wake of all 
all of these other, you know, real gory slasher Monster movies. Ones, yeah. And mm-hmm. he went back in and shot all the real gory stuff that you see. And Rosenthal has said for years that he's, he hated that, that they made that decision. I think it's fascinating, actually, because I, I thought it was good to actually show some of this kind of stuff, too, because the, in, in essence, Halloween is a horror movie, right? And a right. horror movie should be horrific. And while the first one was very suspenseful and stuff, I wouldn't call it necessarily a horror movie. I would call it a suspense movie. This one felt more like a horror movie. I agree with everything you just said. And I, I equate it to the re- the differences between Jaws and Jaws 2. And there are a lot of them. But one of the biggest ones is you see the shark a lot. And you see the shark's kills a lot more in the second one than you did the first one. And that's because at that point, the cat's out of the bag. We know who the killer is. We know what he does. Now we want to see him do it. And it, and the way to frighten us is not only having him jump out of the shadows, but having him do stuff to people that is, is just horrible. I mean, he hits the guy with the hammer. He boils the woman's face off. Kills those two people with the syringe. I I mean that's that's creepy, mm-hmm. and creepy. I, I think you have to raise the stakes. I, I've never been one of those people that thinks you know all of your horror has to be bloodless. One, if you're in a franchise, and that's clearly what this was at that point, because the second one is made it's made for profit. That's what this is about. You got to do something to to pay off the money shot. You can't keep teasing us now. You gotta you gotta let us have it at some point. Yeah, yeah. So I think it was the right decision by Carpenter. My opinion. I think it would have been kind of fascinating to see what it looked like. In, in the original cut, but, um, did they ever release the original without all that? I think there are some versions of it that landed on TV kind of like that, but I don't, nothing official has ever come out. You okay. could probably find it bootlegged if you wanted or something, but I, uh, nothing official has ever come out uh, with no, that. So that'd be fascinating to see what the difference is and if it really worked, because I think the, the gore of this film actually helps make, sell the brutality that Michael was unleashing on this hospital and everything else. I think you make you make a good point there too, and I'm glad you said it that way. Is that he's much more ferocious this time, and I think it's because of everything that happened to him the last time. I think he's pissed off. Yeah, probably. <laughs> in some ways, like I'm not only am I going to kill everybody, I'm going to kill all of you. I'm going to make it really gruesome, and I'm going to just unleash holy hell on all of you. And I think that's exactly what he does, and I'm mm-hmm. I'm cool with it. I, a lot of people complain about that. I've read a lot of stuff, heard a lot of people talk about uh, that's why this movie sucks. There's none of the suspense. Blah blah blah. This is Suspense is over. You know what's going on. Now it's, can you make the plight still interesting? And the thing mm-hmm. is, I, I'm with you. You don't pay much attention to Michael because I'm still wrapped up in the people. Even the skeezy people that I don't know are just there to die. <laughs> I want to see, you know, who are these people and what bad decisions lead them to their demise. And there are some bad ones. <laughs> yes, there are. There are quite a few. And we, we've gone through a lot of them. But let's get to the, the finale here, though, yeah. as it comes down. Love how this all unfolds folds here you know loomis gets back they do get laurie in the hospital michael just walks through the glass door Mm -hmm. i'm like that was a such a weird shot and then of course he's gunned down again and you think he's dead and sure enough nope he's not he kills that trooper and that sends the nurse running outside to use the radio and laurie and loomis running through the hospital trying to find a place to hide yeah i like the the scene where he walked right through the glass pane door because that just shows how almost indestructible he is at that point, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we already seen him get shot. We already seen him fall from a two-story building. We've seen him get a neck stab. We've seen him do all all these things, and yet he's still standing, and it doesn't appear to have affected him too much, other than pissed him off. Yeah. And uh, so to have him just, I mean, you, you, we, he's got to have some kind of a supernatural or super 
power because he just walks right through this door. He survives everything that's thrown at him. And it's just like, my God. And it just shows how enormous this feat is going to be to take him down. And I like mm-hmm. that whole whole part of it. Yeah, you, you're sitting there wondering, what is it going to take to finally put this guy down? And mm-hmm. it all culminates in a surgery room. Yeah. And, you know, Laurie's over in the corner. Loomis gives her a gun, and she doesn't know what to do with it, you know. And he turns around, and he forgot he wasted a shot to get the trooper to turn around the car. And so he, you know, he takes a shot at Michael and, of course, click, and then he just gets stabbed right in the chest with that scalpel and falls away. And at that point, I'm like, Loomis is dead. Oh, what is she going to do now? And then one of the the more iconic shots of any of these films is when Laurie stops him in his tracks by calling him his name the first time. And he just Mm -hmm. sort of stops and does that little cockeyed look at her, you know, and then keeps coming. And then she blasts him in the face twice. The, The bloody eyes. That is... That is amazing looking and just so, and, and he still keeps coming after her. I'm like, that is, that's when you know, like, what is it going to take to put this guy down? And, um, for someone who has no clue what to do with a gun, hell of a nice shot. The good shot, I know, man. I'm like, man, Jamie, Jamie Lee's got the Takes gun. Takes out both eyes. Yeah, that was pretty good. I mean, I don't, I, you know, you, you can, again, uh, fan retcons are a lot of fun to this. So she hit him right in the cheekbones, glanced off, blah, blah, blah. No, she hit him in the face twice. That would have blown the back of his head off, okay? I, I know my, my magnum's enough to know what that would have done, but it's cool <laughs> that it doesn't stop him. And it is that great visual of those eyes just bleeding those tears down the, the mask. Right. Yeah, and how about the sound effects of the swing? That was fantastic. Oh, oh, yeah. When he's swinging in the air and he's whoosh, swinging that scalpel, whoosh. he's just trying to hit anything. Uh, and then Loomis starts, you know, he's not dead, oddly enough. He starts unplugging all the gas. And then Laurie turns on all of her gas and it just sends Michael in this circle because he can't see, right? So he's having to just try to find him in the room. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Laurie gets out. And I love the Loomis thing. He picks up that lighter and just and torches the room and it's like a tremendous explosion never mind the fact that the doors open and the gas could leak out into the hall that you know might not have worked like that well, but yeah. yeah but but again put logic aside <laughs> for a minute and it's it's the same it's the shark biting the electrical line in jaws too it's amazing it's just boom and that huge explosion and then to see michael walk out of that He's still mm-hmm. coming after her after all of that only to finally fall in the floor you know feet from her Right. Uh, yeah. And so, and you're still left wondering, okay, uh, if he's walking out burned, who's going to check him and make sure he's dead? Right. Right. Because like he, he's gotten up for everything else before. This, this was intended to be the end of the Michael Myers story. And the, the sure. Carpenter said, the, he wrote it this way because he said, I figured the only way I could really kill him is if I blew him up. And the only way I could figure out how to blow him up in a hospital was like this around flammable gas. And, you know, it's a pretty, it's a pretty satisfying, resounding ending, right? I mean, it's just a big hoorah. And then it ends on, you know, Laurie, uh, the ambulance from going away. And we talked about the music last time. It's the, it's the score is a little more amped up this time. It's a little more, you know, synthesized and stuff. But mm-hmm. the, the song, Mr. Sandman opens the film and closes it. I mean, talk about just eerie connotations on uh, a fifties doo-wop song. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, again, showing that they had money to get that song. <laughs> true. Whereas true. before, we, as you mentioned, John Carpenter had to write everything himself. <laughs> so, yeah. But yeah, no, I think it's, I thought, I, th- I liked it because, uh, it gave you kind of a, a feeling, uh, for the mood 
at both mm-hmm. times. You know, happy, happy, we're done with this guy. Oh, no, no, we're not. And then at the end, happy, happy, we're kind of done with this guy. <laughs> but still kind of scared. <laughs> so yeah, still you still you know that look on her face we don't know. And the last shot before credits is of him still burning in the hospital, and you kind of get mm-hmm. the idea that's sort of the last thing she remembers is seeing him sit there, lay there, and burn. And I know, would imagine so. Yeah, I mean, I, I can imagine that would be impact. <laughs> Your so. death was almost there, and here's why it, you were saved. <laughs> Because this dude is burning in front of you. <laughs> Again, and my question is, where the H are her parents the next day? <laughs> they still hadn't found them. I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. It, I gotta let that go. That's just a little nitpick. But it's I, I asked myself that at the end of it, watching it this time for the review, I was like, and where are Laurie's parents? <laughs> so we saw where them are in, any parents? We yeah, really. There, well, there's that one mom whose kid you know bit down on the apple with the razor blade, apparently. But uh, oh, you know, that's that's the only one that we've seen the whole time. So. Well, Brian, I think we're at the point of the podcast where it's time to give final thoughts, recommendations, and popcorn ratings. What are yours for Halloween 2? Well, I think uh, where the first one, like we said, was a very suspenseful um, picture, What I uh, this one is definitely much more of a, a slasher-type flick. Um, definitely a horror-type flick instead of a suspense uh, flick. Uh, what I think works very well with this film is the fact that they didn't set it two years down the road or anything. They set it hours after the first one ended or seconds even after the first one ended and i think that works to the positive of this film because you're back in the same exact moment you were with the first one and you're dealing with the same injuries the same you know everything that we were dealing with in the first one. And I like how they did that. I thought, um, even though a vast majority of this film takes place in the same place in the, in that hospital, there were enough different scenes and people that made it interesting. Um, and so I really thought they did a fantastic job of putting this all together, tying it together. And it kind of helped give you somewhat of closure for Lori's story and Michael Myers and had another Halloween not happened <laughs> in a year, uh, maybe it uh, would have been a good ending to this whole franchise. And so for me, again, I find this to be another large popcorn. I thoroughly enjoyed watching this movie. I, I enjoy this one as well, and I think for horror franchises, this is about as good as it gets of, of sequels. I mean, most of the time, when you get into sequel world, you're, you're really getting down in the bottom of the barrel. You're scraping just for anything to get by. I mean, you know, think about all the Leprechaun sequels we did. <laughs> and then I think about what Nick and I went through with the, the uh, Hellraiser films, and you know, even the Friday the 13th and stuff like that. I mean, especially that one, it just becomes so you know, rode over and over again. You know, How many times can we tell the same story? And I like the inclination to like, well, there's nothing left to tell, so let's add one wrinkle to it, and we'll spill it at the end, and then we'll make it incredibly definitive. And uh, I like the fact that they amped up the gore. I know that makes me unique among a lot of people that critique this film, but I think that's cool. And uh, I like the the whole decision to keep it on the same night, like you said. I think that was a great decision, ultimately, and it was a good way of you know keeping the tension up and this film still works as old as it is and as cheesy as some of it is and if you go with the fact that people do really stupid stuff sometimes uh which they're always going to do in a horror movie this is an enjoyable watch and and i think this one's pretty creepy too it is a good job of creeping you out and keeping you on edge even though you know 
what's coming and what's going to happen and stuff. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I find the ending to be a lot of fun. So uh, this is a large popcorn for me. It's not as good as the first one, and you know, no sequel really ever is as good as the original. But it's still good and it still holds up. And I, you feel the the touches of everybody that was involved in that first one still on to this one. And so for me, large popcorn. And I'm really excited about where we go next because. The left turn that Park Three makes is going to be—it's just going to be fun to watch you react to. That's all. I only wish I could sit there and watch you when you had it put in and you <laughs> see it to see what you're. I, I wish you would video it for me. It would be—it would be amazing. Yeah, I mean, you know, people make reaction videos to stuff. Brian's reaction to Halloween Three might be one of those good YouTube videos, folks. I'm going to tell you, I, I'm looking forward to that discussion next time. But we'll do that on the next podcast, folks. Thanks again for joining us on this latest edition of Film Strip. You can find more podcast uh, in this series and others on our website continuousplaypodcast.com slash movies you can also find links to our Facebook and Twitter pages and we ask you to you know connect with us let us know what you liked and didn't like about the, the movies that we're reviewing and the shows and uh, let us know what you think of the podcast we always appreciate your support you can also find links to our other podcast ventures in the continuous play universe we have the art of slaying our seven seasons of Buffy the Vampire Slayer retrospective every episode episode by episode Brian and I have gone through you can check those out there along with lots of extras and stuff we also have Brian's latest venture the squared circle flashbacks where he and a roving panel of guests I happen to be one of them go through some of the classic of uh, World uh, Wrestling Entertainment's uh, back catalog on the WWE Network. Lots of uh, cool discussion about the old pay-per-views and some of the old feuds and stuff. And then you can also find links to the Fabish Factor film podcast that Kurt Fabish shows uh, and discuss top films for years, Game of Thrones, things like that. All of that available again at continuousplaypodcast.com. Until next time, for Brian, I'm Jay. Thanks for listening to Filmstrip. Thank you for listening to our Halloween retrospective series. What's the boogeyman? As a matter of fact, it was. Please leave us a positive review on iTunes, like our Facebook page, and visit our website, continuousplaypodcast.com slash movies, for more episodes. All content used or discussed in these podcast episodes is the property of its respective owners and is used under the Fair Use Act, Section 504, C2, Title 17.